0: Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that
1: don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything.
0: Hey, Craig. Indulge yourself. Read only what you need from them. Recruiting rankings are the only we have to talk about <laughs> yeah
1: yeah that's about it right now
0: yeah um i mean usually this time of year that'd be the only thing we have to talk about honestly but that's true <laughs> uh but yeah this is podcast versus everyone i'm craig powers uh with me as always is jeff Nusser um yeah we don't um have a ton to talk yeah. about this week. Uh, I mean, we but, could
1: be talking about how baseball was getting ready to go, you know, make their run to the college world series, but
0: yeah, of course. Yeah. Um,
1: Missed out on that one.
0: We'd still be basking in the, um, NCAA championship, um, from Kyle Smith's squad. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Although have you seen the, the pictures for the back to Omaha project? Yeah. They keep the baseball Twitter account keeps posted them. You know, I, I presume to, uh, you know keep up interest with recruits or whatever but yeah that thing's large man
0: yeah that's
1: impressive
0: yeah it's very nice um hopefully it works yeah um
1: well i think it? we've talked about this right i mean like with baseball you know u-dub was and you know was traditionally behind us in baseball over the years and then um you know, basically there, there was a, there essentially was a line in the sand. Like they built their new facility and all of a sudden all the in-state kids we were hauling in all of a sudden were <laughs> they were going to Washington instead. So, um, this should level the playing field a little bit. Same thing with, uh, you know, Oregon state, same deal, uh, really, you know, facilities. Um, I don't know that facilities are everything, but I know that, um, WSU's facilities in particular put it at a pretty significant disadvantage. So so hopefully that'll uh that'll level the playing field a little bit and it seems like Brian Green's got a lot of got a lot of energy for recruiting so it's off to a pretty good start.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, facilities are especially important for a a, a a winter baseball team like we are uh, where the winter is still happening. Um so just have some place nice for the players to hang out and hit yeah. balls off the tee. Um, right now, that's the Field House, which yep. is the Field House. So, yep. Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, not
1: only is it not a great facility, it's also far from the baseball field, and you know, yep. all that stuff. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. The, there's a lot. The, those uh, you could you could hear the migrating of the baseball players from one spot to the other. The, yep. Uh, at WSU, the ching 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 of the cleats on the on the. Side. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: they would just uh, you know all the way over from you know, basically bowler, you know, to the, to the baseball field. And, and, you know, they're also, this was the thing. It wasn't even just that they had to walk over with, you know, their glove or whatever. They had to, like carry their entire bag of, yeah. you know, like all their poor, gear, you know, their, poor their cleats, their three gloves, their five bats Their you know, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was bad, man. And, and, you know, you got the sense that probably other schools were using it against them. So. Yeah, oh, for sure. it's uh, no longer, no longer. We're back, yeah, should, baby.
0: Should be ready by the time we play baseball again. Um, yeah,
1: pretty much. Yeah. Well, they put even, I think they even put up a new, uh, put up a new video too. Or maybe now that's about a week old. But anyway, yeah, super cool, man. Anyway.
0: Yeah, well, we- How uh, you doing? I'm, I'm good. Uh, you know, just getting through uh, all this nonsense. Um. We've uh, given up on potty training the daughter for now because she just <laughs> won't do it. Um, she, the, uh, but,
1: you know, the smart ones have the the smart ones always know that. Oh, I'm in control of this.
0: Well, the funny thing is, we thought that, but she had gotten such such she used to holding it until she got her diaper on when she went to bed or nap. Uh, after dinner, we just decided to okay we're giving up and so we put a diaper on her and she still wouldn't go in it and she kept complaining that she had to go potty but she wouldn't but that's it's every night around 7 30 which is about an hour before she has to go to bed she starts complaining that she needs to go to the bathroom because she has to pee and this doesn't go because she just won't do it she'll go to the bathroom and sit on it and then freak out and get mad and whatever but uh <laughs> so she she still was doing all that and we're like you have a diaper on and she's just wouldn't her diaper is dry as a bone oh, um no. i'm sure as soon as amanda put her down she started peeing i'm, I'm sure yeah um so yeah that was just working against us because she was just holding it and like we oh, didn't want no. her to hurt herself so we just had to well give yeah up.
1: yeah like you don't you don't need an infection or something right now that's for sure
0: yeah yeah so uh that's that's always fun I, i'm pretty excited not to have to do that anymore at least now i'd rather just change the goddamn diapers uh yeah instead of uh deal with like a, just the kid running around with no pants on all day and, yeah and uh i mean not... good job
1: craig you gave the kid anxiety about going to the bathroom
0: yeah i know it's great
1: parenting right there
0: i know jerks <laughs>
1: Uh, every parent has stories about stuff like that. Like, it's just like, you know, and especially with your first one, you know, you're like, you're so committed to trying to do everything right. And, uh, and you just, you know, you stress out about, should I do this? Should I do that? And, and uh, you always end up with those stories where you think you're doing the, doing it right. And, and just, you know. Kids do what they do, man. The
0: worst part, too, is it's like you wouldn't think of it impact your sleep, but it does because she holds it all day. And so oh, she yeah. poops in the middle of the night and then she wakes up crying because she wants her diaper changed because she's completely filled it because she's been holding it all day right. and you have to get up and like it's just a disaster. Like you have to change her clothes. Like it's yep. like it's it's so we've just been we said, screw it. She's not doing it. We tried for a month and it just didn't work. And so she can have her freaking diaper back, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can just uh, <laughs> like alleviate some stress. But yeah, so um, bad news and good news. Uh, but yeah, how about how are you doing, man? Well,
1: you know, I'm hanging in there. Actually, uh, you know, after I, I think I don't know a couple of weeks ago, I was like talking about teaching from home is is actually really really hard. Um, you know, you spend a lot of years as a teacher basically getting to a point where you don't have to recreate the wheel every year. You know, you refine your materials and your instruction and, you know, like, you know, the second or third or fourth time that you do, uh, you know, a unit or something, you really kind of feel like you got it. You know what you're trying to do. You know how to, how to teach it, the materials you want to use, you know, you kind of tweak everything to get it where you want it. This is like, man, you got to adapt everything for an online environment. Like it's not a, um, it's it's not a one-to-one switch. Like you can't just like, oh, I've got this stuff. Let me just put it online and that's that'll be fine. Like, it's not that at all. Like kids need so much more support than that. Um, so I find myself converting a lot of stuff, recording audio files of myself talking. Um you know, like my sophomores are reading Antigone, I'm recording myself reading it to them and like taking little timeouts and explaining what's going on. So, you know, hoping that stuff helps. So it's actually a lot of work, but um, I think Who I just records kinda...
0: themselves talking, expecting other yeah. people to listen. What a, what a silly endeavor. <laughs> it's
1: like it's basically like hosting a podcast by myself, which,
0: <laughs> you know. Some some people do.
1: <laughs> some people do that uh, with no guests ever whatsoever. But um, yeah, so I kind of feel like I'm getting to a point now where some things are settling in a little bit. I'm getting a little bit of a routine. I'm uh, working a little bit ahead now instead of behind. So like my 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 stuff's already ready to go for tomorrow. So I don't have to you know when I work on it tomorrow, I'll work on you know Friday stuff like that. All is. Uh, that's all very useful for a, for a while there. It was pretty stressful and um, I feel like we've gotten the kids in a little bit of a routine too. I mean, that's, what's really hard. Like the kids, you know, again, you know, children don't, um, they're not real self starters for the most part. They're not real self motivators. So you have to help them. And, you know, like my, uh, my seventh grader, you know, really kind of struggles with math and needs a lot of hand holding. And it's like, okay, so if I'm holding his hand with math, I'm, I, I'm not doing my job. Right. So, um, it's it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of hours of education, and um, this is definitely harder on the whole than uh, than actually going to work. But getting a little better, I think. And I got lots of reasons to smile. Got a lot of yard work done the last couple of days, so enjoying the sunshine a little bit. It stopped raining for a couple. Of, well, it rained a little bit last night, but
0: well, I've actually I've been pretty hard last night. My I don't, I'm not bit, much of a yard work person, but I have been updating my inventory in my cellar which takes many yes hours you have do. um so i've i've logged a lot of beers i still have quite a few more <laughs> do to you know. do you want to
1: say how much a lot is or do you want to just leave it out there for people to guess
0: i'll, I'll let people guess because i'm not done yet so i don't have a i don't have a final <laughs> number uh, but it's uh, you. You you can uh, send a guess if you want. to Podcast versus everyone at gmail dot com.
1: How um, many beers are in Craig's cellar? Yeah, that's the uh, guess.
0: Not including like IPAs and pilsners and stuff in the fridge, of course. But
1: uh, right, like just the just the the you know cellarable aging
0: stuff. Yes, yes. So um, I'll I'll keep working on that over the course. I'm I'm hopefully done by the weekend um done logging beers uh sp- especially now they don't have to focus on uh, potty training the child um and it should be interesting but um but yeah we well, i think
1: everybody's doing stuff like that right like all this stuff that we have been putting off forever and it's like well well right, now just... i guess the I have
0: this dream of turning that little area into, like, a a place to hang out and drink the beers that are in the cellar. That would be
1: sweet.
0: Um, But right now it's just covered in boxes and random bottles and (laughs) bags and whatever. (laughs) Uh, That'd be so
1: rad, though. Like, here's, you know, people come to your house and it's like, here, let's walk down to the beer cellar. And, like, you walk down and it's like, it's just like, you know, racks of beer and, like, that would be awesome.
0: Well, have you seen it before?
1: Yeah, I've been down there with you.
0: Well, you've seen the but I'm just, beer racks and shelves, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying, like, and make it like a whole thing. I guess is what I'm saying, oh, like yeah. a space where it's like, like a whole like beer, like it, like a like a little beer drinking church.
0: Down oh, yeah yeah, that's uh, that's what I have planned. I've I have some uh, some uh, you know ta- aluminum signs and stuff to put up and um, all sorts of stickers and. Um, uh, we were uh, talking about getting some, you know, cheap lawn furniture to put down there and, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever. And it should be fun. Um, whenever uh, yeah. we can have people over again, we can, uh, hang out in the, su- in the basement, especially in the summer yeah. because it's still like nice and cool down there in the summer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Should we, uh, talk about, uh, should we talk about W's? actual sports? Yeah. Something WC related. um, yeah. I mean, drinking is WC related, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, we talked last week about how uh, WSU had zero commitments for the 2021 football class. Well, sure enough. Well. They have now one uh, known commitment and one mystery commitment uh, to yeah. the 2021 class. Um, so the first commitment is a wide receiver, uh, Orion Peters, pretty cool name, um, rated as a three star, a low, I'd say kind of a lower three star based on the rating, um, from California. Uh, so not from Washington. So we're still going to lose to the Huskies. Yeah. Um, that's a bummer. Yeah. But not a big guy. Uh, seems like a slot receiver for sure. Um maybe yep. a maybe a returner type five ten one seventy. Um but yeah, man. Uh I know that I haven't had a lot of time to look into them. Um I'm I'm pretty sure you haven't either. Uh but not too much. But yeah. Um offer list is um you know, there there's some you know, uh we we were talking about in Slack if if is this like a Wolfian recruit or whatever, but I mean there, there aren't big sky offers on there. There's, you know, there's an Arizona state offer on there. Um, some Mountain West, uh, you know, kind of group of five offers on there. Um, you know, there's, there's reported Virginia, Virginia tech offer and uh, a reported um, Kansas offer. You know, you always wonder where these are reported from. Um, uh, and, and if, you know, the offer was uh, something that, uh was is uh, set in stone or whatever, but you know, he's he's got offers at least and it's not you know, he he doesn't have the you know, the big the big number, but hey, WSU has a recruit now and it's at a position where they're always going to need people, so that's good. Yeah. It.
1: I mean it's a good start. You know, you don't uh it's always good to get the first one in the bag and um it, you know, it'd be great if it was a big splashy recruit, but um
0: yeah, I think we're we're used to um under in the leech era the first recruit all, was almost always, always a quarterback, a quarterback. Yeah. and so it was always like your big prize was right. like the guy right off right off the start. Yeah. Right?
1: And I and they they are hot on the heels of a quarterback and like a good podcaster right now I'm drawing a blank on the kid's name but um I know that he uh, the guy they're targeting um was supposed to commit earlier this week and then decided to push it back and and said that he wanted to wanted to come up to wazoo and see wazoo so um so that was great i know that that's that's sort of the guy they want but um yeah it's you know it's always good to get that first one in the bag hopefully that gets some momentum rolling you know we talked last week about how uh, this is, this is, you know, this whole situation is especially damaging to WSU because, um, you know, the real selling point as, you know, as we know, and we talked about last week is, you know, being on campus, right? Like, um, you know, you can't get a feel for what it's like to be there and, and, and you know, what's, what's attractive about choosing it unless you're actually on the campus. Um, you know, pictures don't do it justice. Uh, you know, videos don't do it justice. Uh, you, you kind of have to be there to get the whole vibe, and so, you know, it's uh it's a, it's a bummer that we kind of have to wait. But uh, you know, I will say that in general, it seems like most schools are playing the waiting game right now. Um, yeah it doesn't seem like there's a ton of commitments flying around for, for everybody (laughs) right now. Um, You know, the schools that typically have a high number of recruits this early in the cycle have them and uh, the schools that don't don't. And, you know, I think everybody's just sort of in a holding pattern at the moment. So,
0: well, you know, the, the commitments that do happen are uh, running backs from the South who apparently have the, 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 the ability to produce two and a half minute long hype videos of themselves, um, <laughs> to, uh, yeah. to, yeah. to announce their commitment yep. to Clemson. So, um, I can't remember the crew's name, right. But, uh, there was a five star, uh, running back, uh, they were committed to Clemson and he had this two and a half hour, two and a, two and a half minute video on Twitter. Yep. It was just a bit ridiculous, but whatever, man. <laughs>
1: It was it was totally ridiculous, but also in its own weird way, sort of awesome.
0: Yeah, I don't know. So. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's like I can't believe he made that, but okay, that's cool.
0: Yeah, but yeah. So we got one crew. There was also uh. So one one interesting thing that I we could glean from this is two four seven lists um, the primary recruiter as John Richardson, the cornerbacks coach. Um, he's from. Compton. So it looks like maybe hit the LA area is his. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like that's his zone. So we can that's something we can know now is <laughs> he he's the primary for uh for that area, which is a very important area for WSU, obviously. <laughs> um significant number of Leech recruits came from there and a significant number of Price recruits came from there. Yep. Um for some reason Wolf really liked uh Sacramento in places like that for some reason. Wasn't uh, he from Fresno? From that area? Wolf? Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah. So he was, he was, we had a lot of kids from uh, NorCal, uh, specifically like uh, Fresno and Sacramento and stuff. But I don't know if Fresno, Fresno barely counts as NorCal, I think. I guess they think everything in North of LA is NorCal, but whatever. Um, It's more Central Valley, I would say. But, But anyway, so yeah. So yeah, we know John Richardson's the guy. So if we have any successes from uh, Southern cow, we, we can kind of gauge how good he is as a recruiter based yeah. on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And apparently we have someone commit. So the, the thing that, um, so apparently now every coach has to have a thing that yeah. they do to announce on Twitter that they've, that they've gotten a commitment without saying we have gotten a commitment. Right. And so, Nick Rolovich's thing now is uh, tweeting out a GIF of the of the flag waving.
0: Yeah, so that's the, that's
1: the announcement that we're getting that we got yes, a guy.
0: It's the opener so, from game day, right? Uh, yeah. And
1: so there was a uh, there was a tweet with that right before Orion Peters uh, gave, gave his commitment, and then I don't know a couple days later, right? there was there, later, yeah. there was another tweet with that we went hey got another one and and we went looking and and uh yeah i uh i nobody can figure out who it is
0: yeah not even you know not kook fan <laughs> not even kook I mean, fan it, is on fan on doesn't know fan. who it is so um if they don't then uh yeah i i, I saw jamie Vinick tweet that um he, right when it happened, he's like, "I have no idea." Usually, I have a good idea. But I have no idea what this is. So, uh, I thought that was funny. um i uh, It does make I'm me actually... wonder if
1: maybe it's like a like a Samoan kid or something. You yeah, know, someone just totally off the radar.
0: But I d- I will say, like, I wonder if he deletes the. I'm not seeing it now. Hmm. Really. Well, yeah. I'm not even seeing the one before. um here, I'll actually hear it. Oh, they here, no, I found okay. now he tweeted on May fifth, yeah.
1: Yes, there was one on May fifth.
0: So yeah. And so and he, then he, there he, was
1: one on May first, yeah. I'm looking at him.
0: Yeah, so it's been as we're recording, it's been a day and it's been a day and a half yeah. since he tweeted that and like um, oh pretty funny, uh I am not funny, but interesting. <laughs> I'm just looking at the tweet and like right. Right in the um uh right in the comments, there's a kid who's uh tweeting his highlights at Rolovich. Um, <laughs> and, his, from... and his highlights and his his measurables um uh, good shoot your shot kid yeah um, I'm absolutely for you. uh yeah, um hey, if you want to be a cook that bad um, if you're good, come on come on out, yeah uh, but yeah it's uh um yeah, so. Uh I like the new announcement thing. But it's yeah. really weird. It's really weird to uh to have that and not like that's such a rare in this in this day and age as they say, uh to to have a, a an announcement, like to have a, a, a team announce a commitment, essentially, and then no one know who it is. Like so Yeah. yeah that like is you
1: normally said. when it's like that it's um you know, that they don't like if a kid commits and nobody knows who they are, like usually they just kind of keep it under wraps. Right. But, and usually kids are very eager to announce. So I don't know. I don't know. I do yeah, know. this. He's... I know. I know Nick Rolovich needs to not start his tweet with at old crimson because then only people who follow at old crimson are going to see it.
0: Yeah. That's why, that's why I couldn't find it in his feed. It just shows up in his replies. Yeah. Um, Tweets and replies. To... Someone needs yeah. to give him that. Uh, We've got to
1: fix that, coach. Yeah. Someone's um, got to tell him.
0: He just needs – well, they, I, I remember it, Twitter at one point saying that they fixed that, but they didn't really. You still have they to put have the not period. You have to put the period you before the – have to put the, the period there. Yeah. Yep. Yep,
1: but – all right, so apparently we have two recruits. We just don't know which one the second one is.
0: and So calm down, everyone. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, it's
1: what we were saying last week, right? Like – you know, if it maybe if we're going another, you know, month or two and we don't have any, but like to not have any at this point is not. When we right. went
0: like one day after we Yeah, recorded. Like, like, I think it was like the day we recorded the podcast. Yeah, you so. know,
1: it was, like I mean they, you know, they they you get a couple and all of a sudden you went from you know, oh my god, they don't have any too. Oh, well, now they have the same as pretty much everybody else within like, you yep. know, 4 days. So. Yep. Nothing to be worried about, folks. Yeah. Things are good. Things are good.
0: Yeah. Things are good. Everything is good. Don't look yeah. outside. Don't yeah. watch your TV. Don't mm. read the news. Don't, yeah, as long as you don't, don't do that. Twitter. Don't just read a book, a book from a long time ago.
1: Yeah, and watch movies and TV shows. and.
0: Yes. Yeah. Do you find when you're watching a TV show, like just if they make any reference to – um, anyone being sick or anything or if they're, they're just even just seeing people around each other and you're just like this is so weird oh yeah like, like it's I, I know
1: it's, it's <laughs> every once in a while i sit down and i think about like how um i just kind of try to think about how everything's going to be different now and i don't know what's gonna go back to something approximating what it was and what's going to be completely different but I know some things are going to be completely different and <laughs> I just kind of like you know this is going to be one of those things in my lifetime that you, you know you just have a sense of oh my god this is like a thing that you know when I'm old and I mean I'm already kind of old but like when I'm really old and dying you know my grandkids yeah, your I'm grandkids gonna be like about. yeah you know the the coronavirus like I, I, yeah i mean like right up there with you know 911 and uh i don't know when i was a kid challenger that was a big one uh the invasion of iraq in 2003 watching like you know the bombs destroying baghdad that was that was kind of another one too i don't know is there another one up there for you
0: uh no i mean obviously the the financial crisis and and uh yeah. right right when i was graduating from college uh, yeah that one's tough because it. it's
1: not like it What there wasn't like a yeah, one, it was such a slow burn into it, yeah. you know, but it wasn't I like mean, a it moment. Was,
0: yeah, yeah. But yeah, so um that's what we have to talk about, and this is why we God, have that was a to downer. talk about <laughs> yeah. uh, We can talk about
1: basketball recruiting.
0: Yeah, maybe we us break. Wanna do that? Yeah, let's take a break. Maybe we'll talk about our beer and we'll talk about yeah. basketball. Let's maybe do we'll it. Talk about Bart Torvik, all the beers, all the bees. Yeah. Um, I'm down for that. Okay. Everyone's like, who the hell is Bart Torvik? All right. Oh, let's, we're going to tell him. Yeah, let's, let's go to break.
1: All right. And we're back.
0: All right. Yeah. So, uh, Jeff, what are you drinking?
1: So, I went weird tonight. Um, I went to uh, – or I, I decided to support local on this one. So, this is the Silver City – Brewery, uh, Irresistible Bliss Strawberry Vanilla IPA. Hmm. Yes, which is kind of what I was thinking. I was like, okay, well, you know, let's see what happens. And so uh, it says, like dessert in a pint glass, Irresistible Bliss is a deliciously dense and decadent, hazy IPA that incorporates milk sugar for a sweet and fluffy texture, further enhanced by natural vanilla and strawberry essence. So what I can say is that as soon as I popped it open and poured it, it was like strawberry in my face. So much strawberry on the nose. And in fact, it's got like a little bit of a, of a pinkish tint to it. Um, but once I start drinking it, um, I don't know, not a ton of strawberry. In the beer itself, it's um, probably good,
0: honestly. Yeah,
1: it, because I kind of thought like you know the the bitter of the of the beer with the you know the sweetness of a of a strawberry or you know it just kind of I was kind of curious how that was going to play out, but um, so it's it's pretty subtle. Um, maybe probably would like just a little more vanilla to it, mm-hmm. um, but it's 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 okay. I probably wouldn't get it again. I probably wouldn't drink it again, but. You know for a one-off like hey this is kind of weird and um do it so you know proud to support silver city during these uh during these difficult times craig proud to support a local brewery
0: yeah so it's it's interesting these uh, milkshake brewery beers um they seem to uh they 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 really hit their kind of peak i think a couple years ago um where you saw them everywhere and silver city is typically a brewery where they'll be a little bit behind the, the trend and then they'll make something that's like mass marketable, yep. um, at the end, uh, because you know, they, they make quite a lot of beer. Um, but, but yes, yeah, so it's, uh, um, I, I would say strawberry is one of the trickiest adjuncts to add to a beer. Um, rarely, like, I, I think that's why it says good that you couldn't taste it. Cause usually, when you can taste it, even if even when they use real strawberries, it always tastes artificial. Like, yep. it's so, so rare that strawberry beers are good. Um, from I've had strawberry beers from like some of the best breweries, and they're still not very good. Yeah. But yeah these milkshake beers are interesting. Yeah. The uh, milk sugar, also known as lactose. So. Um, if you're lactose intolerant, you should not drink these beers unless you <laughs> want to poop your pants over. I a would beer. not recommend that. Yeah, um, I, I, I will
1: say that now that it's uh, you know like a lot of like a lot of beers, now it's warming up a little bit. I am getting a little bit more of the of the strawberry vanilla combo. Yeah, basically right on the on the front of it, and then on the back end, kind of the bitterness kicks in. So, I mean, it's it's not an unpleasant beer i guess i would say like if that makes sense like it's not a beer where i'm like oh this just isn't working this is gross but it's also not something where i'm like oh this is great i totally can't wait to have this again it's like you know it's like all right cool i did it once all right
0: yeah um it's uh yeah it's interesting i i I haven't seen that style those milkshake beers as much recently it seemed like every brewery was making some variation but um because tired hands was leading the way on that from Pennsylvania they were making these absurd like I had like a triple vanilla milkshake IPA once it was like absurdly vanilla it was so weird um but then yeah they they it's it's kind of this trend of uh uh beers that um are very dessert heavy and are just very sweet yeah. um it's interesting you see the milkshake beers and then you see it with stouts to pastry stouts and so you um you get these uh, beers that are like if it says it's like a brownie beer it tastes like brownie batter and like it's yeah um it's it's been a, a, an interesting trend and i think it's continued more with the stouts i've seen it kind of fall off with the with the ipas not as not quite as much um but yeah some of them are good a lot of them are bad um so if that one's okay that's probably good yeah <laughs> like,
1: that's that's kind of how i feel like like it's like it's okay and i you know and i could see some people Actually, really, really liking it. Like, yeah, for sure. So, uh, for my particular palate, it's like, okay, it's something different, and and I, you know, I dig doing something different once in a while.
0: So, yeah, I'm not a, too much of a curmudgeon on styles and stuff. Like, if people want to make weird, weird stuff with their IPAs and with their stouts, like, um, more for more for people to drink. Like, um, I I like some of the sweet stouts. I, I don't like some of the others. I don't like some of the, you know. Uh, sweet IPAs, I know, some of the others, it's funny. Um, yeah, but it, it is funny. Like these a lot, like more and more beers are incorporating, um, lactose and milk sugar. Um, it seems. And, and so, uh, if, if you are lactose intolerant, you gotta like look out for, um, if, if, if a beer says milkshake or something like that. Um, interesting note that, um, uh, when, um, my friend Jeff was a brewer at other Jeff, uh, was the brewer at, um, three magnets. He's lactose intolerant. And so when they brewed their milkshake beers, they only put vanilla in it. They did not put, um, milk sugar in there because, uh, he himself would not be able to drink it. <laughs> so, yeah. um, uh, so yeah, he's got to watch out for that. It's kind of funny that even just that little bit of lactose, uh, screws people up. Um, but yeah, so, uh, way to branch out Jeff, um, did you? Uh, I see you. Pick that up, like at Rainier Growlers or something. Or? It
1: was at Costco, oh, so I grabbed really? one at Costco. Oh, okay. While I was doing my uh, my monthly sh- uh, shopping for my army of ch- my army of men, young men, small young men who eat everything. So
0: nice. Yeah.
1: What about yeah. you? What you got?
0: Um, I uh, I went uh, with a, a light beer. Uh, today, um, I know last week I went had a giant beer, um, but uh, this week I wanted to highlight a, a brewery that's um, from uh, the Yakima Valley. But it, they their beers have been popping up more over here just because they have more beer to to distribute, and they've been canning for the first time. Like a lot of breweries have just obviously been resorting to things they haven't done before: canning or um, you know shipping more beer out to other places because they can't sell as much in their tap room and all that. Um, but this is a varietal, uh, beer company, um, out of Sunnyside, um, Sunnyside famous for, uh, uh dairy gold, uh, the, the, uh, large, um, like for the smell of the, uh, cows. Uh, if you've ever driven through Sunnyside, you will, uh, you will know you're driving through Sunnyside immediately. Indeed. Um, it's, got, it's got a funk to it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the varietal honestly is, um. It's probably my uh, my favorite. Uh, obviously, I'm from the Yakima Valley, and I have family there still. And um, it's my favorite uh, brewery in the valley. I think their beer stacks up with uh, um, almost any. Like it, it's one of the top breweries probably in the in in the state, if not the Northwest. And um, they're just cranking out a bunch of different styles. They're very good at what they do. Um, I've had you know ranging from you know pilsners to or, you know, loggers to, to barrel aged barley wines and sours and IPAs and, uh, uh, Mexican lagers and, and, uh, all sorts of different things from them. And they just always seem to have very delicate saisons and things like that. They've, they've always, always seem to crush it. Um, but, uh, what I'm having, uh, tonight is, um, uh, it's called Il Festigiado. So it's, it's, uh, that is Italian, and I probably butchered that. Um, it's <laughs> how dare it means you? it means the birthday boy. So they brewed this for a friend of theirs. Um, uh, it is a f- big boy, a four and a half percent dry hopped lager. Um, they say take lager, it easy, Craig, yeah, take it so, easy, but it, it's dry hopped with a mosaic, and um, so I think they use the Italian. Um, name because uh, this is kind of like a Italian pilsner is a, is a style that's on the rise. Uh, basically, it, what the Italians are doing is taking like traditional pilsner recipes, but then like dry hopping them with new hop varieties, like the new European hop varieties and stuff. So like the more fruity, citrusy um, hop varieties. And so um, you're getting, you're starting to see like Italian lagers, Italian pilsners uh, pop up. Um, and they've, it's quite tasty because you take You get the dry hopping, which you typically see in IPAs, so you get, like, the aromatics of the beer or the hoppy aromatics, um, but then you get this, like, nice, clean, um, easy drinking finish, and uh, this one is very well done. Um, um, I I kind of – I was chugging through it, and I I slowed down um, so I could uh, have some while we were talking about it, but – yeah, it's very tasty, and uh, it will not put me on my back, and um, I could drink, <laughs> I can drink it all day. Um, and yeah, those are out,
1: nice sometimes, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, check out Varietal if you. Oh, I drink, I drink a shit ton of loggers. Um, the craft logger game, craft breweries are crushing loggers right now. Uh, they're I, it, and it's become a viable uh, thing to sell. Enough people are buying craft loggers that just uh, in
1: time for summer they, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so it's, um, yeah, it's great. Good beer. Very good beer. Uh, very good brewery. Um, if you're, you know, if you're around a uh, tap room and you see varietal on tap, um, I highly suggest checking out whatever, whatever it is. Um, and yeah, um, that you might, um, if you're on the West side of the state or if you're in the Valley, um, you might see their cans popping up wherever you like to buy beer just because uh, they've been canning beer for the first time and, I think it's great for me. Um hopefully they they're doing okay, but uh that's what we hope with all the breweries. Um but yeah, so uh yeah, just yeah, support their local bre- support those local breweries. Uh they they they're selling beer to go and so all that. So um, we don't want them to go away. Uh that's that's been my thing. Um but yeah, so uh beer. Um now how about basketball?
1: basketball there's actually not any news
0: yeah it's 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 a it's a it's a a non-news bit of news (laughs) right it's kind of a self-serving bit of news like it's yeah it uh we get we get to celebrate
1: our coach a little bit though so that's cool
0: it is interesting so um Basically, uh, obviously, um, 247 Sports evaluated a bunch of guys they haven't evaluated before, uh, guys that have committed probably, but most commonly. And um, usually
1: guys, it's it's usually guys who have signed with high majors that maybe they didn't evaluate the first time around. And so they're like, well, I guess we should probably do that. So
0: Yeah. So Plus they, they got a lot that, of
1: time on their hands right now.
0: Yeah. So, so they had previously uh, the only player that was evaluated by 247 or any of the major services – Um, on the four-man recruiting class was Deshaun Jackson, of course, who we've talked about um, four-star on 247 and uh, three-star top 200 overall, top 200 um, um, when you take all the services, top 150 when you take um, the uh, uh, 247 rankings. So he's definitely one of the better recruits WCU has ever had, uh, particularly for a big man. Um, But then... uh, what we didn't have uh, ratings for is T.J. Bamba, Effa Abagidi. Abhag- I'm gonna learn that one eventually, and Jefferson kulabali um, But now they all got they all got three star rankings. Um, um, Bamba and Effa Abagidi for some pretty high three star rankings, um, and uh, that uh, brought WSU's... Uh, Recruiting class up to seventh on two four seven sports in the Pac twelve and fifty seventh nationally, um, which is uh, about as good as they've had in many years. Uh, yeah, probably at least ten years. Okay, um, so
1: keep talking. I'm going to go back see how far back this goes.
0: Well, don't. Okay, I'm just going to warn you, Jeff. Don't bother. Uh, because okay. There's some there's something wrong. With their uh, ranking system, if you go back to the year that like Clay Thompson and Michael Hartoon, yeah. um, were both four-star recruits and committed, um, WSU's ranking is like two hundred and fiftieth or something. And what then the, the next hell? year they had like Tams or Thames. I don't know why I say Tams, but Xavier Thames and and a, and and another you know a couple other good guys and. Brock Modem and 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 with that should have been a pretty well regarded class even at the time and it's in the two hundreds or something so I think there's just something broken about how they rate those recruits but I would say it's definitely the best um, probably since uh, since those <laughs> Wait, probably I'm looking since at that
1: Xavier Thames class all right so you got Thames as a as a solid four star uh, yeah. Brock Modem is basically a four star. And then Anthony Brown is, like, a high three-star, and Reggie Moore is, like, a mid-three-star. And their national rank was 293 out of 300 and, what, 340 programs at that point, probably?
0: Yeah. And the funny thing is if you scroll through the rankings, there's teams that are ahead of them that had, like, only two-star recruits. And so it's like you know that there's something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with Thames' rating is um, you know, very high, top one fifty guy and like um yeah, so it's in modem almost a top one fifty recruit. So like that's that's probably you know, one of the best, if not the best, uh, but well I but the previous the Thompson and Hart Hartoon were I think were both top one fifty guys and, and that was uh, um, probably the what should have been the most highly rated but yeah. i don't think that one was that highly rated either. yeah i um, mean
1: two four-star kids two top 100 kids yeah that would have been would have been but no think...
0: it's 229 according yeah there's something wrong with that yeah something messed uh, up yeah oops yeah you had capers was top 200 nick with in there uh yeah that that didn't work out but no casto was a sleeper in there too Right. Um, we knew we knew he was good. It was more of a, a matter of uh, him, him uh, getting the grades right. But um, yeah, that's probably yeah.
1: the greatest recruiting class. I don't know. I don't. Probably I'm, the next one. I, I don't know. Anyway.
0: Yeah, in terms of just h- how they were regarded, um, um, obviously Clay's the best recruit, and then I think Hartoon is listed as the second best recruit WSU's ever had. So. <laughs> Um, a lot of that was because he played really well in the state championship game against Kevin Love, I think, uh, but, uh, cause he didn't turn out to be all that um, no. spectacular. Nope. Um, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, that's of course the caveat with these rankings, um, uh, in, in basketball more than in like football, um, they're they can be kind of, um, on an individual level, um, can be, uh, you know um wishy-washy because there's just not as many evaluators uh but at the same time um one thing that encourages you about a class like uh this one that uh we're bringing in this year is that you have the kind of anchor four-star guy and then you have three solid guys and there isn't really like so those three solid guys that maybe in previous classes would have been the best recruit in the class are now you're, you're not having a player like that be the best player on your team. you're having a player on that be a role player or or, or you know maybe a starter, but not the not the primary go-to guy or something like that. Right. And so that, and they have a chance to develop into a player rather than being thrown into the fire. Um, and so that that's encouraging and it's fun to see their the rankings higher. you know 57 um, is is pretty high for a WSU class, obviously, as we've just said
1: and it gives you something as you, as you mentioned to to kind of build off of um you know if this team is going to be good year after year or be you know some sort of uh, you know consistent contender for a you know for an NCAA tournament appearance um you got to get to a point where you've got you know really two or three or four guys of the talent level of 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 say a Deshaun Jackson um, you know, you can you can get guys and you can develop them, and 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 those things, you know, obviously that's that's good and that's important. Um, you know, it's you know it's basically what Tony Bennett did, but, um, on some level you have to have you know talented guys at the top end. I mean, even Tony Bennett had Derek Lowe. I think I think a lot of people don't realize Derek Lowe was a you know a four star recruit, like he was a pretty big time recruit. And so, and when he committed to Dick Bennett, that was like, Oh my gosh, like that's amazing. Um, it it was a really big deal. So, uh, you know, you do have to land some of those guys if you want to be good. The one thing that we know is that look, recruiting is predictive of, success. Now, it's it's not, you know, Cougar fans love to say things like, Oh, well look, you know, this guy was a two star and look at how good you know, CJ Allaby, look at how good he is. He was Okay, fine. I mean, you can take a whole bunch of examples, but you know, we've talked lots of times about how in general, if you want to be successful or build a successful program, you know, your recruiting has to be at a certain level. And I mean, even Tony Bennett, you know, Tony Bennett was not doing what he did with chopped liver. Like that just wasn't, that just wasn't what he was doing. And then even at the end, you know, I mean, he was recruiting guys. I mean, you know, we were joking about this on Slack today, but you know, if Tony Bennett hadn't left, you would have had a young core of Clay Thompson and Xavier Thames and Brock Modem, (laughs) which is like, (laughs) like, Holy shit. Like that would have been, You know, basically, uh, you know, a top 100 guy in Thompson, a top 150 guy in Thames, and then, uh, you know, maybe a top 200 guy in Brock Modem. Right. Like and so that would have been a tremendous core with lots of talent. Uh, So, you know, you do have to have a certain baseline level of talent in order to be as successful as you want to be. And, um, I, you know, that's it's all just a really long and roundabout way to say that, you know, Kyle Smith is definitely on that right track. Um, you know, he's looking, he's doing exactly what, you know, I advocated for when, um, you know, when Ken bone was fired and, and Bill Moose was looking for the next coach, I was like, Hey, you know, we need a guy who is going to, you know, look, look at places where he can recruit that, you know, maybe, um, you know, not necessarily hidden guys, but just, you know, expanding the the range of places where you look for guys. And Kyle Smith is doing that. You know, he's looking internationally. He's uh, he's looked at transfers. He's, you know, looking at guys who reclassified. So Koulibaly's that kind of guy, right? Like he was originally the reason why he wasn't really evaluated was he was originally in the you know the 2021 class and he reclassified and um you know wanted to wanted to go straight you know basically had nothing left to prove at, at his you know Canadian uh you know prep school and so you know he 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 made the move to to 2020 and you know so so looking for these kind of under the radar guys and then Jackson's a guy that he was uh you know started to recruit when he was at San Francisco and you know, he had a little injury his junior year and some people backed off, and then, you know, that that original investment um earlier in his high school career uh paid off in the end. So uh you know, I love the way this staff hustles. I love what they what they're doing in, in terms of not relying necessarily on one thing. Um one thing that comes into you know stark stark relief at this point is is just seeing just how damn lazy Ernie Kent was and just how flawed um, his strategy was, if you can call it that. And, um, so yeah, this is, this is fun. You know, you can look at this class and think, all right, you know, this, this class and, and some of the, the upper level guys, uh, you know, from last class, I don't know that they're all going to turn out great, but, um, you know, you can certainly see that Noah Williams is a good piece and Markovetsky is a good piece. And I don't know, you can see a foundation. I don't know if it, if it translates into an NCAA appearance this year, uh, probably if, if that were to be the case, a couple of the guys from this class are probably going to have to come in and be awesome right away, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a possibility, but, um, I'm not counting on that. I, I really think it's, it's 2022 that, um, where maybe you see, and, and I know that, you know, it's, I, I don't know if windows quite overlap with CJ LB, right? Like maybe we're just looking at one more year of LB. So maybe the windows don't overlap quite right for us, but, um, you know, I, I could honestly, I mean, lb I know keeps, keeps testing the waters and of course there's a chance he doesn't come back this year, but you know, it, he's a guy I could really see sticking around until his senior year. I, I just don't know that he's going to ever get the evaluation that he's wanting to. And I think he's, um, he doesn't seem like a guy. And I know I've mentioned this on the show before, but he doesn't seem like a guy who's, you know, dying to get out of school. Like if the opportunity's right, sure. But um if it never quite presents itself you know i could see him being a 4 year kid
0: yeah um i've been thinking about that today uh with um if, if you're thinking about um the this year obviously you're, uh, i i'm sure that you know guys like Bonson and miller be motivated to do as well as they can this year but yep. uh yep. but if you're, if you're looking if if LLB is uh, here for a senior year you have senior LAB, you have a junior noah williams um, you have sophomore Deshaun Jackson, uh, sophomore Bamba. Uh, you know, you have juniors and DJ Rodman and uh, Mark Avedsky. Um you, you know, who knows what, um, what Koontz looks like at that point. You know, it's uh, you definitely can see how that roster could be a, a, a challenging for um, an NCAA tournament bid because um, it'd just be more of a complete roster than we've seen um, in, at WSU, even this year, going into this year, you're already looking at how, um, Smith will have just completely upgraded the roster from top to bottom, um, uh, in, in the span of, uh, one and a half recruiting classes, essentially, you know, like two recruiting cycles, but he got, you know, the back end of one. And, um, just with like, even this year, you, you you got, uh, Bontan and Miller in there and w- Noah Williams in there. Uh, th- those are all guys that would not have been here. And then you're having to Jackson and Markovetsky and, and, and Bamba like that. These are guys that are probably going to play and, and maybe not a lot, maybe Bamba, not so much, but we'll, we'll see how he, how he fares. Uh, but, um, if we need, you know, a, you know, backup at point and stuff, but, um, cause it rap is in there too. You know, guys take their biggest jump from freshman to, um, sophomore year typically. So we could we could see some good things out of rap too. But um but yeah, it's just uh it's 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 exciting to look at the roster and be like there's potential here, man. Like the the like uh I mean you you at least got to say at this point there's potential for, you know, a, an NIT run next year.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a perfectly reasonable expectation. Like well, not expectation. Maybe that's not the right word. Perfectly reasonable thing to think. Yeah, that's attainable. Um, I still don't know if an NCAA tournament berth is there. Um, kind of like I said, I, I feel like the 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 overlap, maybe like the confluence of events that you need for that to happen, might not be there. But you know, it's a it's a possibility. I mean, you'd obviously need L. B. to come back. You'd need uh, Bonton to, to take a big step forward for his senior year. Uh, you'd need, you know, some of the freshmen. You need, you know, Williams to really take a big step forward. You need Markovetsky to do the same. And then you'd probably need, like I said, um, at least a couple of the freshmen to come in and be pretty awesome right away. So, uh, I mean, is it possible? Sure. I mean, we watched, you know, Tony Bennett. <laughs> so, of course, of course, anything's possible. But I, I don't know that I'd... I'd expected as I, I don't know i mean there's maybe like what what would you say like a 10 to 15 percent chance of that maybe
0: yeah sure yeah like that, that <laughs> sure uh yeah let's uh you know win a few of the close games and you know don't lose any of the you know don't lose any of them like steal some wins here and there um yeah it's uh but we um we were talk- When we were talking to Ken Pomeroy a, a couple weeks ago, um, he kind of teased that um, if uh, if CJ does come back, uh, WSU would have one of its um, highest ratings or ha- would have its highest rating um, since the year that um, Clay, uh, Clay's last year. Um, so uh, that would be um, uh, 89th the next year um, after Clay left. Um, but we do have kind of a, kind of a preview into that. Um, cause there, uh, there is another site, um, that, um, if you read its FAQ, uh, he does, uh, defer quite a bit to Ken Pomeroy as kind of the godfather of all of this. And, um, but, uh, but he, uh, he uses similar formulas, but they are in some ways different. And so the, the rankings are a little bit different. And his name is Bart Torvik. Um, it's barttorvik.com, B-A-R-T-T-O-R-V-I-K.com. And he actually already has projections up for next year. Um, obviously, his projections um, include all of the players who like have entered the NBA process but have not you Know actually left or anything, so like Ellaby is in his projection. Um, but uh, WSU, who finished, I believe, uh, one uh, they were 127 in Ken Palm's final rankings, and I think they were one, they were 119, I want to say. Let me, let me just pull it up real quick. Um, in these, but they have him, they. He has WSU going up to 84 starting for next season, um, just one slot ahead of Cal at 85, which is pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. They, uh, one of the things I love about Bart Tor so Bart Torvik is also a really great follow on Twitter. Um, he's mm-hmm, a yeah. Wisconsin guy, Wisconsin fan. Um, so he's fun on that. Um, one of the things that's super cool that I love about his site – is that um, he does not take himself too seriously. So that's part of what makes him a fun follow on Twitter. And then a lot of what he does on his site is just sort of very goofball. Um, So if you know, okay, so there, there are a number of strengths about Ken Pomeroy's site, right? That um, so you and I use it all the time religiously and it doesn't matter what anybody else does. We will still give our, (laughs) our $20 right to Ken Pomeroy. Um, but it, it, it has not, not, but, but it's not the right word. It, it has, his site has a very, uh, very clean, uh, easy to read professional button down feel to it to some degree, right? It's very, it's very orderly. Um, it's very easy. Once you kind of are familiar with it, it's very easy to digest and, and understand the colors and whatever. And, and, and Bart, does some of that but it's also a little more it's just a little more disorderly um
0: well yeah it's funny if if you go to it like you could be mistaken and think you are at kenpom.com if you just like looked at it real quick because the colors are very similar
1: yeah and he does use, you know, green and red to kind of, you know, indicate and, and darkness, you know, of the color to indicate strength or whatever. But, um, but what he, the other thing he does do though is, is he comes up with all these sort of goofy, like play measure things. He, he tries to quantify things that maybe aren't, um, you know, the most, so like one of the things Ken talked about with us was, you know, I don't feel real comfortable including that because I don't really know, you know, I don't really know how important it is. I don't want people to use it the wrong way. Bart has none of that, right? He's just like, Hey, this might be fun. And so he throws it on his site. And and so he's got um, one thing that he's got that, uh, Pomeroy doesn't have is an independent or an individual um, sort of value metric for a player that tries to, you know, conceptualize and, and quantify their, the entirety of their um, contribution, which he calls PORPAGATU, which is, <laughs> I, I forget what it actually stands port-pagatu
0: for. PORPAGATU with an exclamation point and it was exclamation based off point. of a, yes. it was based off of a PORPAG, which was created by some MSU guys. Right. Um, a while back. And he just, uh, he basically added more, uh, flavor to it.
1: Right. And, uh, so people who also have followed baseball analytics might've heard of the Pythagorean, uh, method of, you know, calculating how good a team should be right where you, uh, use the basically the Pythagorean theorem with run differential. Um, so his, his own, uh, calculation of team. So, Ken Palm uses uh, efficiency margin, right? So adjusted efficiency Ken margin. Ken
0: used to use uh, Pythagorean, but I, yeah. um, he doesn't and,
1: anymore. And, and he doesn't anymore. Well, uh, Bart calls his Barthag. Mm-hmm. That's, his, that's his rating. So anyway, I'd, one of the things I love about it is it's just kind of goofy and he's not afraid to kind of throw a thing out there, even if it's not maybe the most um, you know, analytically – rigorous thing he's just like hey take it for what it's worth this is a thing and and uh you know feel free to play around with it so yeah it's it's a cool thing so i would i would totally recommend people who are interested in this sort of thing to go and go and play around we're only uh projected to be let's see one spot worse so you said one spot better than cal one spot worse than arizona state so for whatever that's worth
0: yeah and uh but that puts us at 10th um in uh or yeah, I think tenth um, in the league. Uh, he and he does his projections,
1: by the way, with individual. He does individual projections too. So like, yeah, that's he's the, got individual player. That's projections. where his comes from. And so Ken talked he, very specifically about how he doesn't do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he's got, um, you know, he's got a uh, 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 like Ken has baked in his formula more like returning minutes, returning production values and stuff but uh there's yeah individuals so like you can go look and in there and see like he's got um across the board like huge offensive jumps from everyone (laughs) and so it's interesting it turns into uh uh wsu who was um uh very bad offensively by ken you know in in the 180s um By Palm and by him, um, excuse me. Last year, um, jumping up to sixty-one next year, and actually taking it back, taking you know, dropping back a little bit on defense. Um, Now that wouldn't surprise. Like the defensive part doesn't surprise me because a model would probably look at WSC's defensive season last year and be like, "Well, that's not supposed to happen. Like that's an anomaly. They you can like they're like." that's the based on you know pre you know history and, and and roster like that they weren't supposed to be that good at defense but obviously a uh, coaching factors in there but uh, the interesting okay. part especially is the with offense, the
1: really poor two-point defense I, I imagine is a big yeah. part of that
0: yeah uh, yeah it was uh it was not a you know it didn't seem as predictive but uh but yeah so they've got um, uh, WSU 61st offensive base so that'd be a real fun offensive season to make take that quiet step I, I don't know if I expect um, that big of a, a of a jump, um, but uh, Jeff, you and I were talking about obviously the the most famous year of a jump uh, recently. It was uh, um, um, from the the oh five oh six to oh six oh seven. They took a similar jump actually in reality um, yeah, in, in terms of offensive efficiency. Uh, uh, all those you know, uh, the Kyle Weaver, Derek Lowe squad just um, went from being a, a objectively horrible like worse, way worse than last year um, uh, offensive team to being a legitimately good defense offensive team. So um, maybe maybe that, that could be in the cards for next year. I don't know.
1: It You know, it could be. And and if anything is, is sort of encouraging about this, I, I kind of love the fact that maybe the metrics think the defense is, you know, was perhaps overvalued or overrated. Maybe he's going to take a step back. There is no if you gave me a, a a bet, you know, if you, if you were like, Hey, would you like to place a bet on whether the defense improves or gets worse from this year to next? There's, I mean, I'd be like, yo, put my house on the fact that it's better. Like, like if there's one thing I'm 100% confident of. It's that the, that the defense will be better. How much better? I don't know, but it will be better after a year of, of, you know, being under Kyle Smith and, everything that he does and we know that Kyle Smith historically has really good defenses um uh, with just the returning minutes that they've got i i like i cannot envision a scenario where the defense is worse like like i just like that would absolutely blow my mind if somehow the defense was worse so um so the fact that the defense is being projected as not taking a big step forward uh, I think that actually bodes really, really well because I think the defense will take another pretty significant step forward. And then if the offense can jump way, way forward, then, um, you know, that's that's even better. So um, I know Torvik's predicting here an 18 and 13 overall record and a 7 and 11 record in the Pac-12. And, you know, if you're talking NIT, that's that's a pretty squarely NIT, uh, you know, type record.
0: I do find the, uh, the far right... Um uh, column that, uh, expected loss percentage of an elite team against non-conference slate. Um, this can kind of give you an indication of how bad, how, uh, bad WSU's non-conference schedule is. So the expected win loss of an elite team against theirs loss percentage is 10%. Um, uh, while against Arizona States is 22% and Cal is 19%. So basically you're, you're expecting twice as many losses of, from an elite team, um, for uh, Cal and Arizona State's uh, uh, non-conference schedule versus WSU, so which is like you know roughly one or two um, losses, but still it's uh, uh, that that's the one thing that could hold them back. You know if 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 depending on what the eighteen wins and the seven wins are, um, if they would be an NIT team or not. But eighteen and thirteen sounds you know that, I, I think that would that that would be a sufficient number of wins to build some uh, real. Uh, uh, you know, fan excitement around the program.
1: They haven't announced next year's schedule yet. So I'm guessing that maybe goes off of, you know, just kind of historically last
0: year's schedule. Yeah. What they do, but I I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't expect, uh, I wouldn't expect, uh, I don't know. I guess maybe, um, we could have, um, gotten some ones. I'm sure there are some still leftover agreements, um, Maybe, but it we'll see. Um I don't know if you were if you were uh if you were Smith um and put and Smith and, and, and the basketball program putting together the schedule, what would you do? Would what would you be looking Well, I'd to...
1: play Gonzaga first.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no? no Jeff that's that's not gonna happen. Uh <laughs> um... wait, are you
1: saying are you <sighs> Gonzaga's scared is what that is.
0: Well, they probably at this point um scared. I mean, if you're projecting WSU to be a top 100 team, there's no reason anymore like what what reason does Gonzaga not have to like it's not right. bad for their it's not bad right. for their uh, RPI or whatever, whatever the new thing and it's not Right. It, it it like it's actually if you win, it's a legitimate win. If you lose, it doesn't hurt you that bad. Like so right. like it, it it still boosts your schedule regardless. Right. Um so, um, you can say that we're just this shitty program, but you know, now, uh, we got a legitimate coach and legitimate staff and, uh, who's already, if you think about the, the, from finishing, um, two th- finishing, uh, Ernie Kent's last season at 207th on Ken to being projected probably on Ken in the mid eighties to start Smith's second season. Uh, that's quite a big leap. Um, into kind of relevancy once you I feel like once you as a um, as a as a major conference program you gotta live in that top 100 like it, you're you're really failing if you're if you're consistently consistently outside of that right then you're not where you need to be like to power five programs should be or power you should six, be in the top 100 automatically a, yeah every like you year. should
1: never yeah. fall outside that
0: well, and that's the type when we're talking. Going back to the recruiting class, like this type of recruiting class is the type of recruiting class that if you're getting year in and year out, you're going to stay in the top 100 just based on talent alone, and and, and especially considering we have, you know, a, a, a talented coaching staff as well.
1: Yep, yep. So, I uh, I don't know. Like, I would probably see WSU has maybe a little harder time with the schedule because. Um, you know, they're not a number. So college basketball is in trending away from, you know, big home and home matchups between powerful teams. Um, they've been trending more toward teams playing in, uh, you know, playing in these neutral site tournaments. Right. So last year, what they, what they came islands last year, right. Um, for their tournament and, you know, in years past, have gone to Hawaii or whatever. Um, right. So college basketball has really been moving toward that, that kind of environment for teams to play, um, you know, other sort of maybe higher profile teams. So, you know, and WC's has always been at a disadvantage, right. For scheduling, you know, interesting non-conference games. I mean, I, I mean, I went to the game against Kansas state, whatever that was like, you know, eight years ago or, you know, something like that.
0: Right. So was that when Clay was there. Uh,
1: no, that was, that was Ken. Uh, yeah. Maybe it was, I don't even remember, man. It was it was, it was a a the year
0: day, that Apple right? Cup was. The, so it was the year after Clay left. Yes. I want to say because it was.
1: I think that's right.
0: Or maybe it was the was it the 2012 Apple Cup like th- the next before? I think that's so what it was. To it was two, two, the second season after Clay left. So yeah. Anyway, um, it's. Um, I remember going to that
1: right. and, yeah, super exciting. You know, but that was I, a
0: I, that was a Pac-10 Big 12 uh, agreement. Yes, is the only reason that I think happened. so. I yeah, it was. So. It was so, I'm pretty sure it was. It was like yeah. a. It was like a series they were doing. Yeah. We need so.
1: This. I don't know that there's a whole lot different they can do with the schedule unless they're gonna go play. You know, like basically agree to go play someone on the road that is tough. Um, right. Which you know might not be a bad idea. You know, maybe you go play. Maybe
0: maybe um, you go play Oklahoma State.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Let's not do that again. But, uh, you know, I, yeah. So it, it's, I think you're probably traditionally going to have a weaker schedule because you've got, um, you know, you've got to be able to get teams that want to come to Pullman and those are typically going to be weaker teams. They're going to take any, you know, paycheck they can take. Um, you know, a lot of those teams will be, you know, making sort of a, um, they'll be, they'll be doing a little bit of a, yeah, you know, tour right where they'll play. Sometimes you'll see a team will play us and then play Gonzaga or the other way around mm-hmm. and, um, try to make their money. And then maybe hit up Seattle so, U or something. Yeah. Like almost a little bit of a barnstorming type, type tour. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm okay with the week non-conference and, you know, hopefully they play somebody interesting in a, in a, you know, in a tournament and, you know, maybe we get to a point where, you know, we can get Gonzaga to not be scared of us anymore.
0: Or think we're good enough?
1: Yeah, no, it's the, that's not the issue anymore. Like, like it's they know the issue is that they they don't want to give us any kind of foothold at all. No, like that's yeah. that's it.
0: You don't want those two fans that are Gonzaga fans to suddenly be like, oh, uh, the WSU basketball team is good now. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, look, yeah. Gonzaga's not worried about Washington because you know, I mean, uh, Hopkins is doing most of his recruiting back east. Like, it's not. He's 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 recruiting nationally. He's not recruiting Washington. They're not recruiting the same kinds of guys. Gonzaga, on the other hand, look at the guys we're recruiting. We're recruiting the kinds of guys that Gonzaga doesn't necessarily recruit anymore, but similar kind of guys, international guys. And maybe, you know, under the radar guys like, yeah, Gonzaga wants none of WSU getting better at all. They don't even want to give him a chance.
0: I want all of WSU getting better. I yeah. want all of it. I want Mark good Few knows just again. how
1: good of a coach Kyle Smith is, and he I wants want, no part of that.
0: Yeah, I want. I want this good basketball uh, on uh, the Kook Center. Hour they they had a, a basketball memory um, about the uh, two thousand seven Arizona game, which you should go listen to. Um, but it, but like, it just brought me back to like good basketball was a blast. And I want that again, you know, we got those little tastes of it this year with the clay game and the Oregon game and the, and the Pac-12 tournament game and, and a few other games like where you're just like, oh man, like we we can punch people again. Uh, we're, we're not just like this hapless waiting for some random, um, random shooting night. You know, it's like now, uh, the, uh, it seems like next year they'll, they'll be at that level where, um, most teams, you know, they're they should be able to contend with most teams in the conference and not have these, you know, throwaway games and stuff. And so, um, that, that's going to be fun again to have, you know, especially for an analysis standpoint, right. (laughs) Like just to, you know, like the, the percentages on camp won't, won't always, you won't have these like 1% games and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm excited for it. Um, I, I really, you know, obviously we're hoping and hoping against hope that Ellaby comes back because, um, you know, next year could be a big step forward, and 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 uh, after that we could we could see some big jumps. I really, um, it, we were kind of like unsure about um, whether Kyle Smith. It, you know, we knew he was a good coach, but you know, obviously he hadn't coached at a big place, um, and uh, we didn't know we don't know if he can like. You know, take a team. He's never taken a team to an NCAA tournament, obviously, but he's been to. So he's he's at some places that were very tough to do that. Um, but he is again, of course, and and but uh, just this this type of recruit, the type of talent he's bringing in, the roster he's building, um, and just obviously we've talked extensively to uh, uh, John from his coaching staff, and um, and we've heard from him a bunch that we just we know he's a good coach. So if he does have those players, it just seems inevitable that they will be successful
1: yep we've we've seen him develop guys we know what he can do with that so it's uh it's exciting to see the baseline from which he's going to be starting right you know you take and i think that's kind of what you were alluding to earlier is you know look at these guys they're all you know solid to you know mid to upper three-star guys and then you got one you know four-star kid mixed in Um, you already know what he can do developing so if that's the baseline. And you get those kids to develop, um, you know, watch out.
0: I'm hyped. Um, hyped. I love basketball. Cook Center is a basketball blog. Don't let anyone tell you different. <laughs> uh, and this is a basketball podcast. Don't let anyone Except tell for it. that
1: kick-ass run-and-shoot breakdown that Jesse did today. Oh, yeah, definitely. My goodness. Um,
0: definitely read that. Um, go on Cook Center. You got nothing nice to do. That was a nice
1: surprise. I didn't know that was coming.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jesse Jesse's a fun, I run
1: the place, I had no idea.
0: He's a fun writer to read too. Um and uh I I like his I like his way of writing and um uh and just wow, just uh, in depth thousands of words learning about one type of route basically in a in in the run and shoot. So I, I uh I highly recommend uh reading that and it's uh what if he if if he delivers on what he promises which i assume he will it's just going to be one of a of an x number series of learning the run and shoot um which will be a fun uh a fun resource to have on our website
1: yep yep we'll uh we'll do it big i know that brian anderson's got something in the works too uh if he finishes it (laughs) maybe he's listening all the way to the end i don't know i'll find out later that'll be pretty funny but I've seen that it. It just plan. needs some uh he was doing a little massaging on it and uh apparently not done massaging it. So But it'll be awesome when it comes out, I'm telling you that.
0: It'll be a happy ending.
1: Yeah. I, I see what you did there.
0: Yeah, thank you. With the massage and yeah. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Seems like a good place to uh to uh do the plugs. Uh it does. Well, yeah. Um well, uh, you uh, should subscribe if you are listening to this. If this is like the first time you've listened, then welcome. Um, you sorry. You go back and go back and listen two episodes ago, please. <laughs> um, uh, but hit subscribe, um, rate us five stars. It helps people find us. Uh, leave a comment. People like to read them. Um, tell them about how much you love hearing about me trying to potty train my daughter um i know you do um uh, send us an email if you have any comments questions want to guess how many beers are in my beer cellar at pod versus everyone at gmail.com you could send me a guess to at the craig powers or a guess to jeff at pod versus everyone too on twitter uh if, if you are curious i've been drinking through my cellar um I've been posting them on my Instagram stories, so you can't really catch up on them, but uh, I'm going to continue doing. So you can just see every beer that I'm drinking <laughs> on my Instagram story. Um, and don't worry. I'm fine. Uh, I got my, I uh, <laughs> got Amanda splitting all the beers with me. Um, so um, I'll survive. Uh, but yeah, that's how I'm doing my quarantine. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, um, I guess, I guess that's it. That's all. And go kooks. Go Cougs.